Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen, with Chris Clark and Wes Mitchell, on the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. And welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on 107.5 The Game, Tyler, Wes, and Chris along with you for the next hour. Guys, I just spent the last 30 minutes talking about it on the Extra Point. A lot of buzz in the SEC football world about Todd Munkin moving on from the Georgia football program to go take the OC position with the Baltimore Ravens. Mike Bobo moves from an offensive analyst to the OC position for the second time around. He was with Georgia from 2007 to 2014. Talked about it last hour. I don't think this is going to derail Georgia from being a national championship contender. My concern, and this is what a lot of people brought up with the Georgia program, is Bobo's play-calling abilities in tight games, in big situations, which he has a track record of uh, not doing well in uh, from his time at Georgia the first time around. I think. Go ahead, Wes. I was going to say, my first thought on all this was, you know, and I, I think this was kind of expected just reading what the Georgia insiders or whatever we're saying wasn't a surprise that it was Bobo seems like maybe this was a case where they brought him in knowing that Munkin probably at some point wanted to get back to the NFL also I think from what I read the the recruiting side of this you either love it or you just don't and if you don't you know even if you're a coordinator I think if you're a coordinator and you're really good at what you do 
some places you can get away with not really being completely dialed in to the recruiting side if you do everything else extremely well. But at a place like Georgia, where Kirby Smart puts such an emphasis on recruiting, um, you, you have to be dialed into that stuff. So I, I, I would say that I believe this has been in the works. I think Bobo was brought in with the knowledge that, hey, if things are going well, you'll probably be replacing Monken and and maybe George's view is that Bobo can kind of upgrade some of what he does offensively and and build off of what Monken was able to do because I, I think Monken was really good for them as much talent as they did have. Um, you know, I, I think he elevated them on offense. Um, if I'm a Georgia fan, I'm probably a little annoyed that I have the best program in the country right now. And it appears I didn't even attempt to, like, look around and go get a big hot name or something like that. Um, You know, now Kirby has earned every amount of goodwill possible. Kirby could have hired... Um, the family dog, if he wanted to call plays, and people would have had to have been like, well, he just won two national titles. It's it's okay. Uh, you know, however, I, I do certainly see why there would be some frustration. But Bobo knows offense. Like, you know, I know it's fun to, to make fun of him if you're a Carolina fan and, and all that stuff. The guy knows offense. Um, now, it is an old-school approach. It certainly isn't quite you know i think what georgia was doing on offense this past season or the last couple of seasons but the guy does know offense and they have enough talent and they will continue to recruit enough talent that you maybe don't even have to be that creative on offense so i think that will play into their favor but um it is interesting kirby went strongly in the direction of uh continuity and familiarity versus going out and getting the next big thing. And essentially, he's handing the keys over, saying, hey, here's what Munkin did. Just keep it on tracks. Don't drive it off the road into a tree, and we should be fine. And for the most part, when you look at Georgia's schedule, it's not that challenging. And, you know, they were supposed to play Oklahoma this year. They got taken off the schedule because of Oklahoma's uh, impending move to the SEC. So they're not really tested out of conference. You know, in that first month, the only SEC team they play is... South Carolina, you know, you look at, okay, you might get tested going on the road to Neyland late in the season, but for the most part, this shouldn't be a difficult schedule for Georgia to navigate. But when you get in the SEC championship game, a potential college football playoff semifinal or national championship game, I think that's where the concern would come in is, okay, how does he handle these pressure situations where in the past he's made the wrong choice? I think also... It'll be very difficult to tell early on what the impact of this is because, to your point, they're going to be playing teams that they will outmatch and overmatch and out-talent. And, you know, the Bobo scheme works. And I I would imagine there's going to be adjustments to it again. But for the most part, what he wants to do, it does work. It's traditionally um, been proved that it works. However, in today's college football game, you have to be able to go score points. You have to be dynamic on offense. That may not be apparent against some of these teams where Georgia will just outmatch them. And it will not be apparent against most teams because Georgia's defense will be so good that you don't have to go outscore teams. But 
if you're Georgia right now, if you're Kirby Smart, you're not even at the point where you're competing for your regular season anymore. You're competing for championships and playoffs, and you have to almost make every decision with that in mind. And I, I think that's when things will get interesting is when they do face, you know, in Ohio State where you have to go score a bunch of points. You have to be dynamic on offense. Does the move end up showing, um, you know, kind of its age at, at that point? I, I don't know. Again, Kirby Smart has earned the absolute benefit of the doubt. You get a veteran guy, but, um, man, it, it is kind of interesting. And How about the fact that how many guys from that South Carolina staff a few years ago are now on-field coaches at Georgia and Alabama. I mean, it, it's kind of insane how it's played out. When you when you look at Kirby Smart's OC track record at Georgia, you know it's it's very. You know, you're not going. I'm not going to win any prize by saying that Todd Munkin was a great hire for him. Now they do have tons of talent. They always do. It's Georgia. I mean, you know that Tyler. It, it can. There can be years where they have more than others, right? But it's not like they've been incredible in offense every year, no matter who the coordinator is. Uh, Mike Bobo had a great track record at Georgia when he was there during his first stint. Overall, you can pick out some hiccups and things like that. But they were generally very, very good on offense. They also had a lot of talent. Guys like Todd Gurley, really good quarterback play, etc. But when you look at who he had, I mean, um, he had uh, Jim Chaney. They had the James Coley situation. I mean, that didn't work out too well. Todd Munkin was a great hire. And Munkin had, he has such an interesting resume because he's been a a position coach at a bunch of different colleges. Um, He's been an NFL position coach. He's been a college coordinator. Um, He's been, he's had a wide variety of backgrounds, you know, spent time with Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. He's been a head coach where he called plays at Southern Miss he's been an NFL OC and he really took to Wes's point Georgia's talent level and just took it to the next level um a guy like Stetson Bennett that a lot of people would put myself in that category get are they really going to win a championship with this guy the answer is yes a couple of them and and, and Munkin is a big big reason for that and so I don't think you can say you know whether you're Georgia fan South Carolina outside observer I don't think it's fair to say to just say, well, the, they won't miss a beat because there will be some differences. I mean, what Munkin does and what Bobo has done traditionally, there's some carryover. There's also some differences. So will will he blend in some more of what Munkin was already doing with his own system? You know, what he ran at Georgia when he was there the first time was a little different from what he ran at Colorado State, for instance, where they mixed in some more, um, you know, college-esque, for lack of a better term, some more college-type plays um, into that playbook. So the OC does matter. Um, And I can understand from the Georgia point of view why their fans may want to say, okay, why can't we go hire another Munkin? Well, there's not a bunch of those out there. There's not guys who have been coaching for however long, 20, 30 years like he has, that have been a college head coach, NFL coordinator, um, and a college OC. You don't see a lot of guys like that, but I think everybody now is looking for the next uh, Liam Cohen or Joe Brady or going and plucking a guy from the pros that will work. Now, for all of those, you can also go out and do 
what Mark Stoops did. You can hire Rick Scangarello, and it doesn't work out well at all. So is is there a comfort level to this pick? I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, But for Kirby Smart, maybe that comfort level and knowing what Mike Bobo can bring and his familiarity with the personnel, the school, the team, what he can do in recruiting – those probably weighed in a little bit heavier than, ah, do I go and try to make a little bit of a splashier hire that may be riskier? Now, there similarly was a relationship between Kirby and James Coley when that decision was made to make him the OC in 2019. That year didn't go well. They quickly moved on from him and made Todd Munkin the OC in 2020. So Kirby's obviously not afraid to pull the trigger if things aren't going well. Sure. Um, you know, it's kind of, and again, Bobo does have a long track record of success at Georgia from a statistical standpoint. So it's like, okay, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, but if things aren't going right, it's not like they're going to hold on to him for two or three years too long. If it's not going right, you know, he's going to go out there and find somebody else. But um, again, it's kind of more the sense of handing over the keys and saying, okay, here's what we've been doing. This has been successful. You have the talent. Just keep it on the right tracks, and we should be fine. Yeah, and I I think, um, I I don't know, I, I... there are two different thoughts here, and I think one of them is like, could, could you get better? Could you get better? And um, I think you could probably make an argument that you could. However, um, I think in terms of you could also get way worse as well. So I, I wonder if there's not a sense here of Bobo being a known commodity as well and, um, you know, kind of not – running this thing off the tracks. Um, However, I go back to what I said earlier. We're going to find out come playoff time. We're going to find out. uh, I mean, if you're Georgia, you're judged on a different standard right now than pretty much any other program in the country because you've established these crazy expectations that now people are going to expect you to to meet. Now, uh, you know, we are not privy to the conversations. We're not privy to the phone calls. Maybe... Uh, you know, on the outside, it looks like you just blindly, not blindly, but you just without much else consideration said, all right, it's Mike Bobo's job. We don't know what went on inside the building, inside the office, as far as reaching out to other candidates, talking to other candidates. Maybe all that happened and it all just came back to Bobo. That is entirely possible. Yeah. I mean, again, it's not really the same as like taking someone just because he's on staff and just because there's a relationship, like like the Coley thing, definitely didn't work out. But, but Bobo does have more of a lengthy track record and, and a track record of success. I mean, to be fair, I know some South Carolina fans may not want to hear that and will certainly be rooting for lots of uh, failure, I guess. Lots of three and outs, lots, <laughs> lots of, of and outs. Uh, fourth and one play action, incomplete passes. So the two best, so Gamecock fans have their two best Mike Bobo memories or memories of him at other schools. And that was the fourth and one play action pass. And then, of course, the the game in, what was the year, guys? Was it 14? Mm-hmm. Where they had the first and goal and you had an intentional grounding. They didn't run the football. Yeah, run the ball, I, Bobo. I, I brought that ball uh, <laughs> up last hour. It was first and goal from the four. Hudson Mason got sacked. It led to an intentional grounding on first down. From the 14, they ran Gurley and then threw an incomplete pass. Um, I don't even think it was into, into the end zone. So just a complete gaffe there. And then Marshall Morgan missed the field goal that would have mm-hmm. tied the game. 
That was now it. again, defense can be blamed too because speaking, that shouldn't have been a game that was that close to begin with. But yeah, you get in a late game situation like that, it falls apart. Also brought up from a Georgia fan's perspective, his gaffe at the end of the 2012 SEC championship game with not spiking the ball with 15 seconds to go. Mm-hmm. And that, of course, led to them losing that game, not going to what likely would have been a victory in the national championship against Notre Dame. Man, so, Tyler, the memory's just etched in there. Again, I've, <laughs> you know, this is something that I've You've known about for a long time, yeah. been close to the Georgia program for a long time, covered for several years. So that was my first thing was seeing how people around that program reacted to it and then seeing people from Carolina and other schools reacting to it. So, again, I don't think this derails them from being a national championship contender. We'll just see how he handles those tight situations should they get into them late in the season, in the postseason, whatever it may be. What what has the overall Georgia fan reaction been? It's been kind of a shrug of the shoulders. I don't think anybody's necessarily excited about it, but again, he's never had this much talent to work with on one offense. You know, he had Stafford, he had Marino, you know, Murray, Green. You know, you had the pieces here and there, but you never had this one dominant offensive force given all the talent on it. So there's optimism there. Again, everybody kind of brings up the play-calling thing, and um, it's just kind of a wait-and-see, I guess. But I don't see anybody that's necessarily excited about it. I think a lot of people understand why this was made because, again, it's a national transition to just move up somebody that's already on the staff, somebody that does have a long history of calling plays. But I think it's more of a wait-and-see approach from the general Georgia consensus here. About what I thought. About what you would think, I think. Yeah. So... I'll run to a timeout. People are probably sick of us talking about Georgia football, considering I did it for the last 30 minutes. Last hour, we will jump into some South Carolina stuff. The men's basketball team was in action last night, and unfortunately, we're still talking about what's going on with Gigi Jackson and uh, the attitude that he's displaying right now for this basketball team. We'll be right back on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, right here on 107.5 The Game. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. They'll lob it into Josh Gray, he backs in on Robbins. Throws up the shot off the glass, no good. Rebound pulled down by Jordan Wright, and that will do it. Wright will dribble it up across midcourt, and the Commodores will win in this building for the first time since 2013. Vanderbilt extends its winning streak to four in a row in conference play. The Gamecocks are unable to get a streak of their own going as they fall tonight to Vanderbilt, 75-64. 
You heard it right here last night on 107.5 The Game. The men's basketball team falling to Vanderbilt 75-64 for their 11th conference loss of the season. And this was a game that Vanderbilt jumped on them early with a 15-2 run to start the game. And then despite their best efforts in the second half, Michi Johnson had a great second half with 19 points. It was just too little too late for the Gamecocks. But the perhaps biggest story coming away from this game is the continued frustration shown by Gigi Jackson, who... Played limited minutes again last night, 16 points off the bench, only two, or 16 minutes off the bench, only two points and one rebound. And uh, his body language uh, in the huddle, untucking his jersey, taking his wrist tape off, not being engaged with his teammates continues to be a talking point uh, as what likely could be his last couple of games at South Carolina uh, continue to wind down. I want to get Chris's take because he was there in person, but... Um, First, before we move forward, we need to tell everybody about our friends at Firehouse Subs, uh, firehousesubs.com, Rapid Rescue. Today is Wednesday, I believe. Chris, what is our sub of the day on Wednesday? It is the New York Steamer. New York Steamer, which I got to admit, I have not tried yet. I know Chris Mm. has uh, hyped it up. Terry was in here the other day talking about it. Going to have to try that one soon. You can try it as well. Five ninety nine for a small, seven ninety nine for a medium is the price of the sub of the day every single day. Um, all seven days of the week, there is a special sub of the day that you can enjoy, but you don't have to order that, obviously. You can order whatever sub you want. Maybe that's the meatball, turkey, bacon, ranch. My favorite is the brisket, add bacon. Again, firehousesubs.com. Of course, we appreciate Larry and the entire team at Firehouse Subs supporting this show and being the sponsor of our text line, which is 803-404-6100. Go to firehousesubs.com. Chris, you were at the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been trying to choose my words carefully on this whole situation, saga. Um, Gigi Jackson for the, I would say, third straight, fourth straight game. There are conversations, let's put it like that. There are conversations about GG and South Carolina that don't involve basketball on the court, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Be it the fact that uh, the last game before last night, tons of discussion from the announcing crew that was there about things such as body language, you know, reactions to being put on the bench, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Chris, you were there in person yesterday. Did um, did you see with your own eyes what, uh, you know, was talked about and, and what has been sort of reported on online as well? Yeah, saw, saw some of that. Um, you know, you also saw, it's kind of strange, Wes. Like, that's that's a word that has come to my mind because... There were times during the game earlier, and of course Gigi didn't start again. He went in very early. I think he was first off the bench. Something happened, and I looked over and saw Lamont Paris signal for him, and Gigi, you know, right in the game over to the scorers table. But there were some instances where Gigi Jackson, and this probably wasn't shown on TV, haven't seen that copy yet, where he's over there talking to Lamont Paris, and they're kind of talking over some things that had just happened, or. You know, it's during a during a timeout or during a break in the action, and it seemed fine, you know, really. But then you had kind of what happened at the end of the game. 
And then you had the on court, like Lamont Paris talked a little bit about this at his press conference, how a player's emotional state can affect the way that they play. And I wonder if that's happened here as well, because you do have, you would rather be talking about just how a guy is playing. That's number one. Uh, rather than talking about body language and things like that. But it is, I think it has bled over to where they're kind of conflated a little bit. Um, watching Gigi last night, first of all, this offense has usually looked better when he's not on the court lately. Lately. I think the shot selections, you know, he hit one shot last night, a fadeaway jumper. He can get that shot off any time. But there, uh, there's settling. I think of outside shots, threes, contested shots, settling for that too early. Not a lot of ball movement. Defensively, there was one possession where he didn't know what to do. I mean, he was kind of near the top of the key, near the free throw line, kind of looking around. And so then, then you can have another conversation about well, whose fault is that, or what's going on there. But yeah, the engagement level. Certainly there are some concerns there, what you see when he's not on the court, not engaged. But that, I think, has really bled over to how he's played, too, and maybe both of those things are affecting the other. Lamont Paris was asked about it. Um, specifically, and I'm, I'm going to lean on Callan Taylor's story here. Um, and may, By the way, do, do we have any of Lamont audio? Yeah, I have him talking about the GG situation. Would you like me to play that? Let, let's hit that. I was going to read it, but let's just um, let Lamont speak for himself on this. Yeah, I didn't notice any of that, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm into the game and the guys, that, the five guys that are on the court usually. Occasionally I'll spend a little bit of time with the guys that are on the bench if something in the game pertains to them. So I didn't notice any of that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure he was frustrated, uh, you know, he didn't play particularly well. It happens to everyone. And, um, you know, so we made some – I, I played some guys in the second half that, that were uh, – you know, my job ultimately is to try to win the basketball game and, to, and there's, some, there's some buttons I get to push. Uh, I don't get to make layups. I don't get to pass it to guys. But I do get to push a couple buttons. Some of them have to do with personnel, combinations that are in at the right time, you know, a couple things that we're going to run and we're going to be man or zone. And, and I thought our best chance at that point was, a, was, was that group that we had that started to half. You know, we made a run. Uh, Hayden turned it over, and that ended the run. We made a couple substitutions. Uh, they went on a run. And so I subbed back, and then we started clawing our way back. Yeah, I mean, that the, the Gigi Jackson situation is not the only problem with this basketball team. I mean, when you, when you watch it, if you've watched throughout the season, you can see there is a definite talent gap differential, um, just in terms of having guys that can attack the basket, having guys that can score the basketball. Uh, Vandy was so much better. Wes, I've been paying attention to Gamecock basketball for a while. It's not my primary sport I cover. Last night, and I think when you see it in person, you get an even better sense. It's one of the worst rebounding performances I've seen. I mean, aside from Josh Gray, I mean, box outs. Vanderbilt was the only team under the basket, especially in the first half. Yeah. 
I mean, it was, and, and some of it, you know, the ball didn't bounce South Carolina's way on some some long rebounds, things like that. There are just a lot of issues there. But but the GG one is, you know, that situation is obviously amplified because when he came to South Carolina, it got so much attention. The type of player he is, his five-star status, you know, being committed to North Carolina and ultimately going to South Carolina. And then just aside from, if he, again, like to Wes's point, if he was just not playing well and that was it, that would be one conversation. But now we've got this frustration with the Instagram thing and then not starting games after that and coming off the bench. And when he does come off the bench, not playing well again and then not being engaged. And so I don't know what the answer is. I don't even know if I can pinpoint, you know, root cause, but it is certainly not a positive thing right now for South Carolina. Well, I think... Again, I said this earlier this week. We we do we have to remember. Uh, again, I'm not making an excuse. We got to remember, not only a freshman, but a freshman early enrollee. Um, you know, and and not even an early enrollee like oh you enrolled for a semester in football and went through practice early. We're talking about going from being the man in high school to early enrollee playing. Uh, you know, against other college athletes. And a lot of times guys that have played a lot more and have had, you know, year, two, sometimes four years in a college strength program and an opportunity to mature, an opportunity to learn how to handle things um, to where there isn't so much scrutiny on you and, and sort of knowing like, hey, the cameras are on you in high school because you're dominant. And the cameras are going to be on you in college, um, whether you're dominant or whether you're sort of going through it. And it, it's going to be a – if you're Gigi Jackson, the only way you're going to not be a story is if you just have a regular old average game. <laughs> if you have a great game, it's a story. If anybody else on this roster has a two-point game, it's not, it's not a headline. Mm-mm. But because Gigi Jackson – has an has some off games, the cameras are automatically on him. And then the cameras are going to be dialed into, well, how is he reacting? Is he standing up and cheering the, with the same vigor as his teammates? Um, does How does he look? What's going through his head right now? What is his expression? All those things are going to be talked about. And, you know, I I find myself back and forth on the matter of, Hey, it, it's it's not necessarily fair to him, but that's the territory when you're the number one prospect in the country, and um, you know he he we got to have a little bit of grace with him, but at the same time, um, ultimately he's going to have to learn from this experience how to better handle it. I think going into a timeout, I'll ask you guys a question in relation to this on the other side for what it means for the South Carolina basketball program. Going forward, you're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs right here on 1075 The Game. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's the Cape Cod Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Back out on the Gamecocks Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler, Wes, and Chris along with you. Continuing on our conversation about Gigi Jackson, and look, he comes in as a highly touted recruit. We kind of figured he was going to be a one and done, and you know he did tease on his Instagram that there's the opportunity that he might want to come back for another year. I'd say most likely not at this point. If he leaves this program after one year on bad terms with Coach Paris, and you know when you're looking at local guys like Cam Scott, other high recruits that you're trying to get in here. Gigi Jackson having a negative connotation about this program walking away from it. What concern level does that have for trying to bring in another guy like him, at least while Paris is here going forward? Well, you know, I'll say this. Um, Some of the rest of that quote from Paris, uh, I don't have a lot of conversation with guys about playing time. Some here and there, but not a ton. Um, He says, I'm committed to, will always play the guys who have the best chance to win the game. Uh, usually that comes down to how you're performing. Sometimes that's affected by other things you may have going on. Um, I, I don't know how much coach speak was in what Paris said, at least going off just the public comments. It doesn't seem like there's been an incredible amount of conversation between he and Gigi Jackson. Again, I don't know that for a fact. There may be coach speak at play. Um, South Carolina has five regular season games left and they'll have at least one SEC tournament game. So six games left potentially in Gigi Jackson's career at South Carolina, potentially. At this point, I don't care who shares the blame. I don't think you care whose, quote, fault is it, whose fault is it, uh, you know, does Gigi have to be better? Does Lamont Paris have to be? Don't even care anymore. They got to figure it out. And I, I think if you are looking at this from just like a pure old school, like, hey, you know, every guy on the team is equal and we're going to treat everybody exactly the same. And, um, you know, playing time is not discussed. Um, I get it. That's... Uh, that's an old school way team sports have been approached and there's lots of coaches out there who would applaud that. However, Gigi Jackson is unique. He's the high, most highly recruited guy that's ever signed with South Carolina in the modern uh, recruiting rankings era. And obviously you can't just pretend he's just another guy. So I, I think whatever they have to do to figure this out, you got to figure it out. I don't know. We don't know what the relationship is between Paris and Gigi. We don't know from, you know, from a personal side, it has seemed like up until this recent stretch that the two of them have gotten along well, I thought. Um, you know, how much of this is like, some, sometimes you can have disagreements in sports, disagreements in business, disagreements that... Um, don't affect your actual uh, relationship. 
So I don't want for us to pretend we know exactly what the relationship is between these two guys because a lot of that is behind closed doors. So I don't want to sort of um, conflate the two things. However, um, perception right now with how this is going is not good. Carolina has finally gotten a guy to stay home, a five-star guy, an in-state guy who could have gone really anywhere in the country. He stayed home. You got six games to figure it out. Again, don't care whose fault it is. Just find a way to fix it. Just fix it. You know, to go back to Gigi individually, Michi Johnson talked about this and said he used actually what's the exact terms. I don't know if you read this and you kind of had it subconsciously on your brain, but he said learning experience. You know, there's obviously some things we, we forget. You know, Gigi Jackson, he's not Kevin Durant right, you know, right now. So he, he's he wasn't supposed to be Superman. And I think some people, because of this overwhelming desire to get somebody of his caliber into the program after seeing guy after guy after guy leave the state and go and star other places. You're kind of projecting that onto him, fair or not. Normally unfair. That said, his on-court performance should be better than what it has been, especially the last few games. And that includes the on-court performance. That includes the body language. I'm with you. We could sit here and debate it till we're blue in the face about why has this happened, why it should not be this way. You have to make it better. The perception that you're speaking of, Wes, is important because it goes back to the perception is reality type thing. Perception in recruiting is big. It is the reality. What your program looks like and is viewed on the outside is the most important thing in recruiting. So, you, you finally get this caliber guy into your program. What are other opposing school, schools going to do? Mm-hmm. What If this ends poorly with Gigi, if other prospects ask him and his family about their experience and they don't have positive things to say, what is that going to say? It's going to speak louder than any recruiting graphic or presentation or whatever that you want to show. So we, we don't know, again, if Gigi will return next year. I mean, kind of with Tyler, I mean, Does it make a ton of sense right now? In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. I do think that the best opportunity to fix this, as we've discussed, probably is him coming back for another year. I mean, is his draft stock as high now as it was? Um, I don't know if we have a great answer to that. Well, I think the first, and and again, we don't know. Maybe this has happened. I think the first step is a real honest closed door conversation that um maybe none of us um know anything about want to take a second to tell you guys about the fine folks at integrated media they can provide solutions for you not to the situation with pertaining to basketball but if you want to watch basketball other sports on your television they can help you do that it'll still be your home but your home will just be smarter with michael nathan and his team at Integrated Media. Check out their website at integratedmediainc.com. Smart homes, home theater, audio video, solutions, TV installations, security and cameras. They can help you control everything in your home from your lights, your sound system, to your security from your cell phone. Give them a call, 803-948-8327. Make sure you check out their Facebook page and their Instagram page for some awesome examples of some things they've done in the past. Again, that's the team at Integrated Media, integratedmediainc.com. Before we close out the basketball talk on the other side, 
I do want to say, lost in all the GG talk is the fact that um, this is a game where South Carolina, the final score was 75 to 64. Um, Never really felt that. It it did kind of feel like, okay, maybe they're about to make some crazy run at the end and and get this thing closer. But, uh, Chris, I mean, 38 to 18 at halftime. Y'all talked about the lack of rebounding. Um, second chance points for Vanderbilt, 22, 11 for South Carolina. Guess what? The difference in the game was 11 points, quite literally. So, I mean, you look at the time, the game flow of this game, time with lead, Vanderbilt, 37 minutes and 30 seconds. South Carolina, 39 seconds. So, <laughs> lost in the fact that we're all talking about Gigi is the fact that Carolina, for whatever reason, um, and, you know, I, I don't have the reasons for you, but for whatever reasons, did not play well, did not execute at all to start this game. 38-18 to 18 at home against a, uh, a Vanderbilt team that, you know, is not, some powerhouse. Yeah, the the rebounding. And they have and Vanderbilt's played better lately, right? But definitely not a powerhouse, but they just looked so much they looked superior really in every way, certainly for the first half, for a lot of the second. South Carolina did themselves no favors. They got off to a very the shot selection at the beginning of the game was not good. The good shots they were getting were not falling. Vanderbilt was really hurting them on the glass. And then also guys a historic occasion for me last night as I took in the game. First time in the history of basketball a team was able to play that good a defense without fouling in the first half. Absolutely remarkable. Zero fouls for Vanderbilt in the first half. Again, pretty they were, impressive. They were the only ones under the basket in the first half. They were. Can't get fouled. The other team's not there. Th- that's true. Well, hey, I mean, maybe we can have Hayden Brown on and ask him what happened with the elbow right to the tooth. No call. That wasn't the primary factor, of course, as Wes said, and South Carolina losing the game did themselves absolutely no favors. All right, we'll come back on the other side, wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs right here on 107.5 The Game. Testing live from the Herndon Chevrolet Studios, this is 107.5 The Game. A great selection of new Chevys is available now at Herndon Chevrolet. The lot is packed with inventory and more is on the way, so shop your hometown Chevy. Stop by or shop online today and see why Herndon Chevrolet makes you smile. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head on your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Back on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, Tyler, Wes, and Chris along with you for a couple more minutes. Uh, Coach Paris talked about this after the game as well, just how perplexed he is by how much this team struggles playing at home. Obviously, the two wins in conference play have been on the road. And last night against a team that you took to overtime in their own gym to begin conference play, you just, again, never really had much of a chance after Vanderbilt got out to that uh, hot start. When you look at the next home conference game. It's going to be number one Alabama coming to town on next Wednesday, that game tipping off at 9 o'clock. And if you start out slow like you did last night, you're going to get more than embarrassed by that team. 
Yeah, Barry weighing in on our YouTube uh, saying, just food for thought, most of the other talented freshmen in the SEC have an experienced team around them. Um, yeah, I mean, 100% true, Barry. I think that's something we all took into account and were probably concerned about from a South Carolina perspective is that GG was not coming into a team that, uh, you know, had a bunch of guys returning or had a bunch of guys who have played together. I mean, it was a com- almost a completely brand-new team, brand-new coach, all trying to come together. No- nobody had high expectations for this season to be some huge year, I, I think. Now, were there higher expectations than maybe what we've seen so far? I think that's safe to say. Were there higher expectations that this um, GG situation would not erode into what we've seen? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and that that's why I think at this point, you know, there, there's blame to go around, I think. I, I really liked, you referenced this earlier, I, I really liked Michi's comments that, um, you know, I, I think he sees it from a player perspective. Um, he knows, you know, and Gigi is, Gigi's a great kid. Like, let's not, let's not get it mixed up. He's a great kid. He's going through it right now. Everybody's got to figure out how to handle this thing moving forward. Um, to me, it really has reached the point where you don't care what has happened. You don't care why it's happened. Find a way to fix it. Can Can you fix it without him coming back another year? Six games. This is, I mean, this team's not playing in the postseason. They're well, it, start, the it starts with a conversation, I think. Yeah. And, and maybe that's happened. I, I don't, yeah. we're not over there. But it starts with a, I think it starts, a lot of times when you have a disagreement, this process of moving forward comes with both sides saying, hey, I could have handled this differently. Solid advice. I needed that today. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> but seriously, but the external... Can the external be fixed? The external, what we see, so the the two things of better body language and Gigi playing a little better, maybe the team performing better, and then the perception from outside. Realistically, with the way the world is now, Gigi could score 30 points a game and he and Lamont could hug every time he comes on and off the court and people are probably still going to focus on that bad Mm -hmm. stretch, right? But externally, can it get fixed in six games or so? Well, I think that also will depend on the actual reality of it. Um, does Gigi, let's say it is just six more games. What does Gigi tell people about his experience? Is Gigi still promoting South Carolina when he's playing in the NBA? Is Gigi telling other recruits, um, hey, man, I was in a situation, uh, but it was nobody's fault? Um you know, you can go win there. I, I mean, I, I think the reality of the situation, maybe the perception can't be fixed, but can the reality of it be fixed moving forward? South Carolina has had a history, for whatever reason, of guys not always coming back to school to be around the program. The last thing you want is for this thing to end with Gigi um, not feeling like he wants to come back and watch games and, and be around the team. That That, to me is the big thing moving forward, whether he comes back or not. This will be a, certainly a conversation we continue to monitor as these last few games of the regular season go on for Carolina men's basketball. We're out of time today for the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Terry and Jay uh, coming up next with the Halftime Show right here on 107.5 The Game.